The Equest Podcast, Funds Industry Conversations. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to this episode of The Equest Podcast with me, Danny Lawler. In this episode, we're in problem-solving mode. Well, at least problem identification mode. In 2015, a new regime was introduced in Europe for investment funds called the ELTIF, or European Long-Term Investment Fund. And the idea was that it would be available to retail investors and give them the opportunity to get exposure to long-term assets like infrastructure projects and also to things like SMEs. It was a good idea, but to be fair, it hasn't really worked. At this stage, there's only around 60 LTIFs established in Europe and none of those in Ireland. So for this episode of the Equest podcast, I'm joined by Ken Owens of PwC, where we chat through the background to LTIF, the problem it was designed to solve, how it's evolved, and how it's not really managed to achieve what it set out to. There was a commission proposal to make amendments to ELTIF that published towards the end of last year. And so we chat through that proposal and whether the changes that the commission is suggesting will actually have the desired impact of getting some traction for the ELTIF regime. On top of that, we look at some other possible solutions to try and make the product better and more attractive to the retail investors in particular. So with that, let's get on with the show. The Equest Podcast, Funds Industry Conversations. Good morning, Ken, and welcome to the Equest Podcast. Good morning. Good to talk to you. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. I got my circular email yesterday from Irish Funds to say that the conference was going ahead again this year in person, live in the convention center. So I I guess things are getting back to something like normal. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I'm in our office today and there's a bit of a buzz around the place. So pe- people have started to kind of come back now. So um, it's it's good to be to be back in, in, in the office and seeing people out and about. And, I see you in a shirt and tie. Kind of normality. Yes, I, I put my, my tie on, especially for you today. Uh, you're very good. I couldn't <laughs> tell you where I might put my hands in a tie now. I had my first kind of coffee out in so long the other day and trying to leave the house I was trying to remember where my leather shoes were it mm. still had any I nearly left it by Crocs so it's yeah getting back to back in the swing of things yeah there's some things we've kind of gotten used to now that it'll be it's hard to kind of go back to the old days in some respects so hopefully you know we won't we won't all go back to everything uh, as it was before we'll, we'll take the best of what we've learned over the last two years in terms of how to operate and how things get done and and uh how we can work remotely and just build on that. I think that's hopefully, certainly my hope anyway, and what I'd uh, like to do. So, How long do you think it will be before the good things get forgotten and we slip back into the old habits? Yeah, well, I'm hoping I'm hoping that, that we don't slip back to old ways, but it's, it's amazing how quickly we, 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 we adapt to things, I suppose, as, as cre- we're creatures that, you know, we are very adaptable. So the market will, will find its equilibrium as it always does and everything else, you know. If will do individual firms or whatever go too far then you know their, their people will tell them that they that they, they they've gone too far well anyway, their people will, will, that, will that could be another podcast it will and i'm <laughs> bringing optimism with you ken we're going to chat eltifs yeah it's kind of a funny kind of a beast because to be honest now it's not something so, so i spend most of my time now talking to clients about regulatory stuff from an ireland perspective um and Certainly in the last 12 to 18 months, private markets and private assets and, you know, has been 
from from a few different angles has been the topic that's got got a lot of attention um so so we're clearly hearing and seeing a lot of our clients moving more into private markets have so any of market. them ever asked you about Altif? has it ever no been? no right. never and yeah. uh, it's funny i've been i've been uh, obviously been watching the afmd review closely and you know we were heavily involved in you know as a firm we'd lots of groups involved mobilized to look at the response to talk to clients nobody and and obviously the review came out at the end of last year and there was a bit of activity around that to be honest nobody mentioned because the LTIF review came out at the same time and the changes proposed changes to the LTIFs and I've you know I've, I've updated my my regulatory you know update decks to tell clients what's happening nobody no certainly from an Ireland perspective nobody asks asks me to talk about LTIFs clearly we yeah. don't have any LTIFs in this market at the moment um and that may be a factor. Um, poor old LTIFs. Poor old LTIFs. They're, they're kind of, they're, you know, like they suffer from having, you know, you know, they're kind of a hybrid. So I was kind of trying to come up with an analogy as to what kind of analogy would I use. And I just couldn't, couldn't find one. That, but, but fundamentally, I, I think the problem, there's kind of two problems with them. The first problem is, it's kind of they don't know what they want to be so you know you've on the one hand you've got a very dominant usage product that's you know well known has all the bells and whistles from a from a, an investor protection perspective it's designed for retail investors um and clearly lots of managers pushing that product and then you've got the AF uh, under AFMD which is primary like is an institutional product it's professional professional investors it's got all the flexibility and then you've got something that's that's trying to be compete with but with kind of both in the middle it's trying to attract in retail investors that might be attracted to a to, to usage but it's then trying to invest in in you know in, in in you know make investments and compete from a strategy perspective with AFs and the LTFs are AFs anyway sorry i better briefly explain what an LTF is for for our listeners just so as not to assume knowledge Stands for European Long Term Investment Funds. It is, as you said, Ken. It's an AFE. It's an alternative investment fund, but it is a bit of a hybrid. So it's designed to be sold to both retail investors and professionals. And the idea being that it would invest in longer-term assets like infrastructure assets. Um, and it came out of a, I guess, a study or an understanding that in Europe we tend to have a lot of bank financing for. Um, for projects where in the US you tend to have a lot more capital market financing. And when the financial crisis hit and the banks stopped lending, uh, it had a knock-on effect then on the ability of projects to, to get capital. So as a means to kind of ensure that didn't happen again or, or, give, or, or help for that not to happen again, you, the commission wanted to want to promote alternative sources of financing. And one of those then is the idea being that capital markets would be uh, more active and larger in Europe so that they would be a, a ready source of capital for things like infrastructure projects rather than being dependent on bank financing. So yeah. pretty laudable, I guess. Um, but as you mentioned, Ken, we've had LTIF around for about, gosh, up in 10 years nearly now. Uh, and so far there are only 57, 60 odd in Europe and none of those in our, mm. so can't be classed yeah. success from that perspective. no. No, and it's. I think the latest data I've seen is there's 67, um, and and AUM is 
2.5, maybe 3, 3 billion, something like that. So it's, you know, in the context of a market that's got about 30,000 funds and is 13, what, I don't know what the, I should know what the European market is now, but it, it, it's like in the trillions. Yeah. Um, you know, LTIFs are, um, as a as a you know as a product, I think have have not really captured the imagination. Um, there's a couple of markets where they are being sold. So, um, you know, in, in looking at it, you know the the, the products that are out there, um, France and Italy seem to be the the two biggest markets um, that have kind of you know started to adopt them. Um, but you know more broadly, um, I, I think the, the AF and AFMD, the AF that you know, the regular AF product is just far more usable from a manager perspective. So you've got the problem firstly about um, uh, it, it has to be a closed ended product um, as an LTIF. So. You know, lots of investors are happy enough to invest in closed-ended products. I think um, even institutional investors, I think from a retail perspective, that can be problematic. Um, uh, and then uh, I think the, the other issue is is leverage. Um, you know, these kind of, particularly, the, you know, what we're hearing and seeing from managers around a lot of these products is, uh, are in the real asset space, is there is leverage required. People need to have, be able to leverage, leverage the, the products. And certainly in the, in the, in the original LTIF, there was only, I think, a 30% limit um, for, for leverage. And, and that, that, that was problematic. When you're competing with AF products that had no, you know, certainly didn't have the same, the same uh, restrictions around leverage. So if you're an institutional yeah. investor and you want to kind of, you know, invest in a, you know, in a hospital or in a toll road, or you want to invest in private, in SMEs, in private equity investments, um, you know, part of your, your, your calculation around your return is how much leverage do I need or can I use to to lever the structure and to make the return more attractive? Yeah. And if there's limits on that, then you know, even if you weren't, even if you didn't plan to use, you know, you plan to use leverage, you, you, like all all else being equal, you want to have the flexibility that if you need something, you can use it. So if something is more restrictive than 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 you'd like it to be. I, I think generally, and what we see from clients is they go, okay, I'm not going to go with that route because it it might, you know, maybe they they don't plan to have, you know, excessive, you know, a lot of leverage in the structure, but they want to have the option. Yeah. And, and if you're in the LTIF and you you have a hard limit, then that optionality goes away. Yeah, um, and it, it's felt even since the the outset of LTIF that um, the commission had identified that, for example, retail investors holding a lot of cash or, or in deposit accounts or whatever mm, or mm. potential for a, a big source of capital for financial markets for capital markets but needed to be encouraged or cajoled or you know incentivized to take that and, and put that cash take it out of the mattress and put it to work yeah if yeah. to be the product that would do that because it would be regulated would i guess the idea was it would have a brand like usits and, and now like aifmd that you could trust in and you say, well, I, I kind of know what that is. Uh, I'm going to put my money to work and it's going to 
fund infrastructure or hospitals, whatever it is. Uh, and although it's tied up for a period of time because they're closed ended, it's still worth the it's worth the investment. Uh, and the benefit then from a provider point of view being, well, ideally this brand would build up so that you hardly have to open your mouth and just say the word LTIP and people would, would jump in you for the uh, for the product, but also that you would get a European passport for a product, an eight product, because yeah, yeah. moment the AIFMD is obviously, it's a manager director mm. and gives products, it gives passports for, for apes, but only to professional investors and this would give you a passport for retail investors. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as you said, Ken, with all the restrictions that were there originally, at least, um, you felt like, well, what, why would I set up and subject myself to the ELTIF regime when I can get my passport under AIFMD? They're the types of products being closed-ended that retail investors aren't necessarily that uh, suited for, probably, or, or in some instances. So actually, uh, I can get all I need out of a qualifying investor A for or something similar in other jurisdictions, and, and that's where I'm going to go. Yes. So, so you've raised a, a good point there, and it's something we're, we're, we're looking at a bit at the moment because there's, there's a consultation now. But I think from a manager perspective, there's a, there's a problem around retail from a suitability perspective. So, so you know, at the point of sale, like, I think an LTIF is a product that needs advice. Because, because it can't be, one of the restrictions was it, it can't be more than 10% of the portfolio of the investor. Clearly, you know, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. And because of this product, we're basically saying, well, it's, it's fine as part of a portfolio, but, you know, they don't want the re- you know, a, a retail investor putting all of their savings into one product. Um, so, so it needs to be part of an advised portfolio. Um, so then you rock it, you, you, you run into or you rock into suitability requirements and, you know, managers and distributors having to do a suitability assessment of the client, their risk appetite, their ability to understand what they're investing in, the, um, you know, and their ability to, to sustain the investment. Um, and I think there's a lot of risk and a lot of liability attaching to that from a manager perspective. So I think even if you got over that hurdle of, you know, getting the investor to kind of want to invest, because there's a bigger, obviously, issue. There's a bigger issue generally. It's not that retail investors aren't investing in LTIFs. Retail investors in Europe aren't necessarily investing to the level required full stop. Yeah. Um, and there's a broader discussion going on and broader consultations and reviews going on at European level as to how you activate retail investors more on an overall basis and LTIFs would be a subset of that but but you do run into the issue then of well you you know these have to be advised products investors would have to go through suitability they'd have to you know you have to explain what they you know obviously what the product does and the liquidity constraints particularly around you know getting your money back out again and I say a lot of retail investors are just going well you know if I'm presented with a range of options and for products um, and this product is at the riskier end in terms of what it will invest in, and it has liquidity constraints where I can't get my money out versus a much larger portion of useless products, for instance, that don't have those um, those those issues, um, particularly over you know in a market that's been increasing for the last eight years or ten years. So you're going from a performance perspective. I can see all this performance out there. I, I think that was always going to be a battle. 
Yeah. I mean, the interesting question is whether, whether with the whole focus on ESG now as to whether there's a, there's a niche or an opportunity for the LTIF to carve itself out um, in that space. So when investors now have to be asked about their sustainability preferences, whether the LTIF, you know, or, or LTIFs could become something that comes more to the fore because of what they might be able to do from a, from an ESG perspective. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. But but just to go back a moment, you're right. You know, when you have any amount of opportunities to invest as a retail investor, uh, whether the LTIF type product is the right one for you uh, in terms of the, the restrictions and the lockup period that, that your, your cash is yeah. into it is one thing. But also as an advisor or, you know, somebody who's giving investment advice or recommendations, it's an advised service to that retail client. You may not feel comfortable directing your retail clients to a product like that. So it may well be that of all the retail investors out there, if you could get them to invest, uh, even a sm- it would be a fairly small subset of retail investors for whom yeah. a retail yeah. product would be suitable. So, mm. so moving on then, in terms of trying to improve the Alta product, uh, we had yeah. proposals towards mm. the last year that, uh, in fairness, have, have given it a good old, or are proposing at least a good old shake-up to, to the rules in Alta. Um, do you have any views on what is proposed? First, in terms of the proposals themselves, but then on the bigger question of whether it'll, it'll shake uh, the LTIF structure and we see more traction. We go from, from zero LTIFs in Ireland to maybe some. Uh, well, well, first, I, I think we do, need a, we do need an LTIF regime in Ireland. So I think, um, you know, we, 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 we as an industry, and I think there's already engagement with the bank. I, I certainly saw something recently that tells me that there's a bit of discussion with the bank about actually, you know, there being there being a, a bit more focus on that, but in terms of what's proposed, I suppose just kind of th- summarizing kind of three areas. Firstly, they're they're trying to you know the proposals are to make the actual LTIF make it more flexible in terms of what it can invest in, and and to re- re- remove some of the thresholds and limits, um to to allow um some differentiation also between. Um, LTIFs that are just for for professional investors versus uh, LTIFs that are for for retail, and to, to obviously that might take mean that more professional investors can take it up because it's it, it has a little bit more flexibility, and, and kind of brings it more closer to what a, what a, what the professional LTIFs can invest in. Um, they're also trying to remove some of the barriers for retail investors. Um, now. <laughs> cynic in me and i can't i'm a i'm I'm paid to be professional skeptic as an auditor tells me i i don't necessarily think the bar that the the barriers to accessibility were what stopped it from a retail perspective but at least you know removing the minimum investment limits um um and aligning the suitability requirements with mifid at least you know may make it somewhat more usable and then probably for me i think the, the 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 ability to introduce the liquidity window um um so so that it's, it would be feasible for investors to kind of exit rather than having to wait till the end of say the 10 year period now th- that's obviously may, you know practically could be a challenge in terms of well what is this invested in and is the liquidity actually there but but at least the possibility uh, of being able to do that um um, is, is is proposed to be introduced. So I think that that's all positive. It makes the product more usable. 
potentially. I feel a bush coming on, Ken. Uh, well, I, I don't. I still don't think it's like it doesn't solve the solve the solve the fundamental problem. Um, and I think it's back to your point. Like if you look at where relatives have been successful, relatively speaking, um, there's always been something else. Um, you know, there's there's the there's the making. You know, there's I think the old adage is you can you can you can take up the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So so I think there ha- it, you know, I think to, to kind of give the Eltif the spurt that it needs, there needs to be something else as well. And I think that needs to be, you know, some some USP that the Eltif has that 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 would make it put a bit of oomph behind it. Um, and you know, I think we've talked about incentives. So so could you in some way, or could you know governments in some way, um. Uh, incentivize um you know investment now you know in 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 italy where relatives have been uh, there have been a few of them created um there there was a tax exemption for for uh, for investors now what you do in that scenario I think this is where relative run into a problem at a pan-european level is you know if, if you wanted to invest in your economy um, and you offer tax incentives to, to your in, to your kind of population, then then you kind of limit it to your own your own country, because um, yeah. Um, so, so if you want if you want you know if you want you know investors in Italy to invest in Italian real and Italian infrastructure, it makes sense to, as government maybe to offer an incentive to kind of promote that, but but clearly you're not going to be offering that incentive to 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 non-italian investors it just doesn't work because taxation is not harmonized so so i think taxation as a mechanism um could be a way to incentivize investment but that has the the disadvantage of being um obviously it's country specific and taxation is a national competency so i, I think that 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 was one of the issues that was identified in 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 some of the, the analysis that was done of the altif post the initial setup and yeah. looking at how they might improve it you know they've been able to address the investment restrictions elements and kind of make it more liberal in terms of what they can invest in. They've been able to loosen some of the restrictions around what in, you know the the eligibility from an investor perspective. So to make it you know more more usable from a retail investor perspective. But what they haven't been able to in, able able to address is the incentivization element of how do you want you know enable investors or kind of promote the fact that investors might want to invest in the product and if you're going to use taxation as a mechanism to do that that doesn't work on a pan-european basis yeah i think you're right um we've seen with the product and even with improvements that are suggested by the commission unless you know investors haven't found their way there and providers mm. haven't provided the product because there just isn't the isn't the momentum behind it isn't the yeah. Yeah. Uh, so incentivization is needed. Um, and if, you, if I think of the great incentivization uh, products we've had here, you can't look past the SSIA now. Um, not that you'd necessarily do that, but you're talking about capital guarantee and, and guaranteed return. Um, and that is the kind of thing that will encourage a retail investor to uh, to take the money out of the mattress and put it in. Mm. If they feel, well, at least, you know, I can't, I'm not going to lose uh, any money and uh, I'm going to make this amount uh, and ally it maybe to, to taxation incentive. Mm. That is, mm. that's powerful. That is the sort of thing that will get people uh, active. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think it could. I mean, you, you like if if you if you were if you were looking at, at investing today, if, if if you've got your let's say you've got you know some money to invest, I, I think the challenge one challenge is if you're leaving it in the bank at the moment, you're you're losing money, and you've got inflation in the economy. So 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 now is the time. And, and I'm not giving investment advice here, but but certainly as an investor, if you have money, money, you know, obviously getting putting that money to work is important if you want to invest for your future. And there's the whole debate about pensions and saving for the future that's out there. So I think you know aligning this with pensions and the the ability, you know, from a pension perspective to have something um, that that can generate a long term sustainable return. The Eltif could have a could have a have a future there, um, yeah. uh, and you know th- th- there's a broader debate about about pensions that that you know we all need to have, but but you know you could see that because the types of things that the Eltif invests in in terms of long term investment, um, are the kind of things that you know pension funds um invest in, um. You know, and they don't nest. They aren't necessarily, you know, as volatile as the equity markets. Um, um, that's not to say that they aren't. There isn't risk involved, obviously. Um, I, I think a broader question. I mean, I suppose that's kind of making it more attractive. What is it investing in? I mean, the, the issue, the kind of original genesis of the LTIF was, you know, we need more non-bank finance in capital markets. And that has happened and is happening. You know, it's not that that, that isn't happening, and that the ELTIF was the only re, was the only mechanism. So, so that also is a question about even if there was a flood of money coming into ELTIFs, that money is going to be competing with a lot of other structures and products that are out there, also in looking to invest in the same kind of assets. So, so that's also a question about, well, you know, certainly I was reading something yesterday about the wall of money that's been invested in private equity and in real assets, the amount of money that has been committed by lots of the same institutional investors that maybe might might be might want or might be targets of using the ELTIF. Um, some of that money, a lot of that money is not, has not been invested because they haven't been able to, you know, find the deals and, and make the investments. Um, and, you know, it, it, that will have a dampening effect on the return that investors have, have to accept, you know, if they want to put that money to work. And I think investors, certainly some investors understand that, you know, the returns that they were getting in the last few years may not be the same returns going forward. So the question then is, you know, if you're putting that, 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 that investment in front of a retail investor, how attractive is that, is that um, to, to that investor? Um, and, you know, what other, what other elements do you need to have attached to it? And I think you've mentioned capital, you know, capital protection would be a fundamental point um, that you think your, your average retail investor might look for. Um, so you know that downside protection, so that they're they're, yeah. they're you know what are they if they're if they are prepared to lock their money away for ten years in the product, you know, and it's and as it's investing in infrastructure, that there is at least some 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 comfort that actually, you know, it will generate a, a modest acceptable return, and that the capital won't be will be there when they when they go looking for it, yeah, uh, or when it comes out at the end of it, that that. You know, there's there's a lot of elements to kind of get that in place. 
Um, so, so I think you know there's, there's probably a, a good bit to go yet. Um, yeah, I, but, and I wouldn't like. I mean, if, if you're thinking pan-European wide, you're right. The, the taxation is very powerful. But if I'm looking to increase investment in Italian infrastructure and I'm the Italian government, well, I might give a tax break to an Italian LTIF, but only if it's going to invest in Italian infrastructure and, and exactly those exactly. national limits around the products. Isn't, yeah, isn't really compatible yeah. with a free movement of capital. Yeah, and, and that, the yeah. capital guarantee route. I wonder whether at a European level there's an institution that could could be the the support. Yeah, because yeah, again, you run into you know it's it's all very well for you know the bigger member states to offer that to their investor base, but when you get, I mean, if you look if you look at Europe, clearly you know you've got Ireland and Luxembourg being the kind of two main exporting product hubs, and cl- clearly that wouldn't necessarily work in those domiciles if they were guaranteed, you know, you know, if those products are being transported, you know, being sold in other member states, again, that that's probably problematic as to who's going to give that guarantee because clearly, you know, governments aren't necessarily going to want to do that um, beyond their own, their own investors. Um, so I think, you know, again, you're, you kind of, you are kind of looking at maybe something that could be activated at the EU level. Um but, so yeah, so incentivization important, but but quite tricky to solve. I think yeah. uh, issue you mentioned it earlier, Ken, is is I guess in Ireland, well, at European level, to have the LTIF as a standalone product in Ireland, if you did want to create an LTIF, the expectation is that it would be authorised as both an LTIF and then either a retail investor quit, uh, a for or more likely a qualifying investor. Rate. So you end up then with two sets of rules imposed on the same product. Mm. Mm, not mm, I, I, yeah. not a reason to, for the product to be attractive. No, that's soft. No. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think there does like like I suppose more generally there, there there needs to be more harmonization. So so you know I think if you're going to make this product more usable, then there needs to be you know clearly like like it does run into the issue of there being local real, local requirements and and kind of. Um, I think the term that Esme uses is regulatory fragmentation, um, which can be uh, which can be positive or negative, but it's usually negative. So, so I think you need to kind of minimise the regulatory fragmentation. So you've got one one set of rules that everybody can apply. It's obviously easier to explain to investors then as well. The retail investor, this is the rule. It's the same rule everywhere. This and and why that rule is there. So I think that 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 would be important. I think the other aspect, though, um, just strikes me, and again, it's something I've seen recently, is there obviously does need to be a bit more of a, a focus on on uh, on lit- on financial literacy to the retail investor, because fundamentally, you know, if there was a pile of money out there for managers to manage, they would be managers lining up to manage it. Yeah. So, so, so the question is, you know, is the product something that somebody's trying to sell to an investor, or is it something that actually investors want to buy? Um, and that's a more gen- that applies across the board. But I think in terms of something like this, like th- I think you uh, investors have to want to buy it, and that comes back to firstly the literacy point about well, actually why investing is important for your future. Um, and obviously, you know, with all the focus today about cost of living, people might be saying, well, we actually don't have the money to invest, you know, where we've cost of living issues to deal with. But but fundamentally, you know, 
saving for your for your retirement for your future is important and that, that needs to be built into the education system more than it is at the moment and as part of that understanding you know what what these products can do um it, and that i think would also increase demand because the appetite then would there would be more appetite amongst the retail investor to say well actually i i do want to invest in something that where i can see the benefit the impact um um you know both in terms of obviously my own personal wealth or savings pot but also improving our economy or improving our infrastructure you know if you can see you know a new hospital being built or a new bridge being built and and you can link back your investment to that 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 obviously would would you know would incentivize not everybody but some retail investors go okay i can i can see i'm you know i'm doing good for my economy and for myself at the same time Mm -hmm. Um, and the big issues there can like that's you're right it's an enormous cultural shift and yeah will yeah not that it couldn't be done or won't be done and and you know but we'll we'll take a bit of time so one yeah. question to wrap up, Ken. Uh, okay. You, when you think about the the problems with LTIF, uh, mm-hmm. need mm-hmm. really for uh, good incentivization. Ideally, the need for for more harmonisation, so it's a standalone product without additional requirements nationally. When you think of the fact that there is actually other monies making their way into the capital markets and into the private markets, yeah. uh, it, is there a problem there for the LTIF to solve? And, and in, a, in a word, should we dispense with the LTIF? Do we kill the LTIF? Uh, that's a hard question. I, at the moment, I, I think it's a, it's a very niche product. Um, and I think with some, without some, we have one of our, we have at PwC, we have values. And one of our values is reimagining the possible. And I think this, the LTIF is something that needs to be reimagined completely i think tinkering with around the edges and tweaking it a bit isn't you know isn't going to turn something that has 60 into 600 in and you know in a short space yeah. of time so, so i think you do now like there does need to be a kind of a reimagining of the possible here and maybe the the whole focus on sustainability in esg uh, is a way of of giving it a bit of a shot a shot in the arm but you know, obviously, there are other again AFs and useless products out there competing in that space too. So, I I think it's it you know at the moment it's probably a, a, a you know a hammer trying to find a nail, and I think it needs you know I I don't think it's going to be the 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 the, the major success. That I don't think it's going to compete with useless. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, from retail i think there's a niche it, there's, there's there maybe is a niche there but there's 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 a lot more needed than just tweaking tweaking the uh the investment restrictions and the eligibility criteria to, to make it a success going forward i think but on that shameless plugging of pwc and, and they're reimagining the possible you're a real pro ken i love the way you I, I had to slip it in there you know conversation uh thank you very much for for no uh, problem Delighted, delighted to, to talk to you. Always good to to to, uh, to speak to you and uh, look forward to, to chatting again. Great. Well, I'm not sure we've solved the problems of the LTIF, but uh, at least we've we've had a bash. And I, I do think you're right. I think reimagining is is re- revolution rather than evolution. I, I feel is probably required here. Thanks again for your time, Ken, and thank you, listeners. All the best. The Equest Podcast: Funds, Industry, Conversations.